Pastor DJ's fired. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Give it up for Pastor DJ. Love him. Listen, we have some of the best kids pastors, youth pastors around. We do. Uh, Pastor Gio, uh, let me tell you, if you have kids right now, they're learning the Bible in an incredibly creative way, and we are blessed to have the kids pastor we have. We are so blessed to have Pastor DJ speaking into the lives of young people, preaching to them, ministering to them. Come on, can we give it up for our kids and youth pastors? Man, so good. Well, uh, it's so, so good to have you here today in church. It's always good to be in church, right? Right on. Well, literally, though, you picked a great Sunday to be here because this Sunday is church and barbecue Sunday. Come on. And I, I like this Sunday because this Sunday we combine two of my favorite things, the Bible and burgers. Right? How many of you come ready to eat? Oh, come on. You can give it up for food. We're a real church. Come on. We like real food. And so I'm excited because today we have uh, D&B Grill Masters uh, with us barbecuing. If you've never heard of D&B Grill Masters, it's because I just made it up. But it stands for Dave and Byron <laughs> Grill Masters. And, and so they're going to be on the grill, and they assure me these will be the best burgers you've ever had in your life. Okay, maybe, maybe that's a bit of an overstatement, but they're going to be good, okay? They're going to be good burgers, and so we're excited about this. Listen, when you go through the line today, make sure and tell them thank you. Uh, give them a pat on the back. It is a lot of work to barbecue a few hundred burgers or whatever it is. That, that's a lot of work, so uh, we appreciate them, uh, but we're going to have a good time. Uh, we're going to do this, and you know, the reason I like a Sunday like this is it's a Sunday like this that we are just able to simply connect. We're able to just simply connect. We're able to engage in community. Uh, our mission statement here at CFA is to be a church for all to experience God, embrace grace, explore truth, and engage in community. We call these our four E's. And if you study these, if you look at these, you'll discover very quickly that three of these four E's you could do all by yourself. You could. I don't suggest it, but you could do it. You could experience God alone. You can embrace grace by yourself. You can engage in community on your lonesome, but you cannot engage, I'm sorry, you cannot engage in community on your lonesome. Come on, we need each other, right? We need people. And so we like moments like this because it's moments like this that we're able to connect. It's moments like this that we're able to engage in some community. And uh, when Kim and I launched this church, we really felt uh, led uh, by the Spirit to, uh, to not control, to not try to uh, do everything, but just kind of let God. And one of our aims for this church would be that we're a church that we create environments for community to happen. That we are a church that we create environments for community to happen. That we do our part to create environments for community to happen, and then God will do his part. God does the connection. We create environments for community to happen, and then what does God do? God does the divine appointments. What does God do? God uh, partners together businesses and ministries. What does God do? God brings together friendships that last a lifetime. We don't have to control that. We don't have to do that. We just create environments for community to happen, and then God does the rest. And Yeah, you can, you can give a hand clap for that. 
We like that. But we believe in that, and we believe that's so important. And so today, uh, when you're in the barbecue line, maybe have a first conversation with what will later on be a new friend. Maybe have another conversation with an old friend, you know? Uh, Single people, maybe you'll find your spouse. (laughs) It's going to be like, huh? You know? It's like, I mean, you never know. I realize this is not Christian mingle. (laughs) I'm not not trying to, to pair together and splice together relationships. But, you know, you never know. I met my wife at Safeway. If, listen, if I met my wife at a Safeway, you could meet your spouse at a church barbecue. I'm just saying. It's, it's not too far out there. And so, uh, well, I better get into the Bible before I get too carried away here. But listen, uh, we're excited to connect. Uh, we're going to have some fun. Uh, but before we eat, I want to share with you the next uh, message in our uh, series. We have been in a series called Summer of Psalms. How many of you enjoy this series? Been a good series? Uh, I will be honest with you. Uh, I don't think I've ever been as excited and personally as engaged in a summer series as I have been this series. Uh, our aim for this series was not just to preach psalms on Sundays, but literally to experience psalms every day of the week. And so to do that, we've done a number of things. Uh, we've had a Bible reading plan in psalms. Some of you have jumped into that. We've been doing that. Uh, hopefully, you've been praying the psalms as the psalms is a book of prayers, Maybe you've been worshiping to the Psalms. The Psalms are a book of worship. I've shared this before, but Jesus quotes the book of Psalms more than any other book in the Bible. Uh, Scholars and theologians believe that Jesus probably had all 150 of the Psalms memorized. In fact, Jesus' final words, Jesus' final prayer on the cross is a Psalm. It's Psalm 22, where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so I say all that to say if the Psalms were that important to Jesus, I think the Psalms ought to be important to you and I as followers of Jesus, right? And so we've been enjoying uh, this series. We've been enjoying uh, Summer in Psalms. I hope, hopefully you have too. And today I want to share with you the next Psalm. Uh, We have two more weeks of this, this week, next week, and I'll share the next couple weeks. But I want to share with you out of Psalms 46. Psalms 46. Now, if you are seasoned in here, notice I didn't say old. I'm no dummy. If you are seasoned in here, you might recall the old hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Any of you know that old hymn? Okay. That hymn is actually birthed out of Psalms 46. Just kind of, I don't even know why I shared that. Just kind of, I don't know. Bible nerds, church history nerds like me. That's just, yeah. But Psalms 46 is actually written by a group of people that are known as the sons of Korah or the descendants of Korah. Who are the descendants of Korah? Well, the descendants of Korah were known singers amongst the people of Israel. They were known or notable singers and worshipers, perhaps likened to like a Maverick City worship or a worship team that you know today. They were known amongst Israel as singers. And they had experienced ups, they had experienced downs, they had experienced highs, they had experienced lows. And this is what they share in Psalms 46 regarding all of this. Psalms 46 verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help the Seahawks in times of trouble. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to have a season of that, Mama P. All right. <laughs> so we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God and sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's army is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. And verse 10, this is where I want us to land. This is where I want us to hang our hat on today. Verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Be still and know that I am God. If you would stand up with me, let's pray for a moment. And I want to share with you the next message just entitled, Be Still. Be Still. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for our time together. And we first and foremost pray for our young people and kids as they go to camp this week, that they would experience you in a new way, that they would find you, that they would go to new levels with you. We just believe in encounters with you changing our lives. And even as the Apostle Paul encountered you and his life was changed, I pray many young people would experience that. I pray over this church, Lord. I pray over every person who's come in with troubles and problems and issues they're facing, questions, maybe more questions than answers. I just pray you'd let them know they can be still and know your God. Lord, that you would remind us that you're with us, that your word declares where two or more are there, you're gathered with them in the midst. And I thank you that your presence is here. It'll be with us as we eat great burgers in a few minutes. And we just thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Well, how many of you have kids here? Raise your hand, you have kids. Okay, if you have kids, it means, <laughs> it means at some point in time you had babies. And I think we can all agree one of the most difficult things to try and get a baby to do is to try and get a baby to fall asleep. Am I right? Yeah. And I think we forget this over time. I know my oldest is 21 and my youngest is 12. And I think over time we kind of forget this, but I was pristinely reminded of this. When we, when we were on vacation a couple weeks ago with our family, because my brother-in-law and his wife have a baby, and watching them brought back some interesting memories for me. Watching them gave me some flashbacks, all right? It gave me a little bit of PTSD, because um, I think we forget over time, but we forget how hard it is to try and get babies to fall asleep. And I'm watching them, and they're trying everything they can do. You know, they're walking up and down the hallway, holding the baby back and forth. They're singing to the baby. They're rocking the baby. You know, they're like praying over the baby. It's like, you're trying everything. You know, and at some point, you get desperate. I remember this. At some point, you get desperate. You're like, what are we going to do? We have to sleep. <laughs> you know, what do we do? And you're like calling the doctor. Can we use Benadryl? And the doctor's like, no! You know? <laughs> Like, no, you, you can't do that. I'm like, all right. But you're trying to figure out what can we do in order to try to get this baby to sleep. How many of you in here, just show of hands, you have a, uh, kids age two or under? Just raise your hand. Okay. 
Okay, the hands that are raised in here, um, they're sleep deprived, okay? <laughs> pray, pray for the people who just raised their hand. Let them go in front of the line at the barbecue, okay? Be gracious to them. They haven't slept in a while. And if you did just raise your hand, just know, just know you will sleep again in about 10 years. Okay, it, it takes a little bit of time, but you will sleep again. But it's difficult to try and get a baby to fall asleep. Well, after the baby falls asleep, what does everyone in the room or everyone around do? Everyone tries to be still. Am I right? I mean, everyone tries so hard to be still. And that was us on our vacation. The baby's asleep and the baby's in a stroller and we're trying so hard to be still, all right? And instead of having conversations, uh, we're kind of like whispering to one another and like, how's it going, you know? And we're just, you know, not talking real loud. You know, instead of laughing out loud, we're kind of mute smiling like, you know, you know what I mean? Just not real natural. Instead of walking freely around the room, you're kind of tiptoeing on eggshells. It's just, it's just difficult. And it's especially difficult for me because I'm innately a loud person. Okay, Kim always jokes that I'm naturally mic'd up, that I don't even need this thing, okay, that I, my voice carries. And so I tend to be kind of loud sometimes. I like to move around a lot. I like to move it, move it. All right, I like to move just kind of the way I am. And so it's very difficult for me to be still. It's difficult. But I think if we could take this thought and elevate it a bit and, and take this thought and move it up a bit and even apply it to life, I think many of us would have to be honest that it's pretty difficult to be still in life today. Isn't it? I think if many of us could be perfectly honest, we'd have to admit that living in the world we live in, living in the time and hour we're living in, it's very difficult to be still. It's very difficult to have peace. Uh, we live in a world uh, that's inundated with fear. We live in a society that's infiltrated with angst and stress and anxiety. We do. Uh, we live in a world that is fast-paced. We live in a society that is quick-moving. Uh, we live in a day and age uh, where people cynically ask, what have you done for me lately? Am I right? And sometimes it's hard to keep up. I think if all of us could be perfectly honest, we'd have to say it's difficult to be still. It's difficult to find peace living in this world we live in. In fact, I propose to you perhaps the only way we can be still, perhaps the only way we can have peace is knowing he's God. Maybe the only way we can be still living in the world we're living in is adhering to Psalms 46.10, is being still and knowing he is God, that he's there, that he cares for you that he sees you, that he hears you, and that he's there for you. Church, maybe the only way we can be still today is just knowing he's God and that he's there. Amen? You know, as you study the context, as you study the context of Psalms 46, it's interesting. The context of Psalms 46, which we just read, 
is times of trouble. You can read it again. It's times of trouble. And this is ironic. This is interesting because the most difficult time to be still is during times of trouble. Am I right? I mean, anybody can be still when life is going well. Anybody can be still lying on a beach in Hawaii, right? I mean, that's not hard because Hawaii is heaven on earth. It's God's garden. It's bliss. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Anybody can be still lying on a hammock, (laughs) staring out into some deep blue ocean in some tropical paradise. Anybody can do that. But what about when life takes a turn? What about when life takes a turn for the worse? What about when the doctor calls and says, we don't like what we saw on the exam? What about when the boss pulls you aside and says, there's going to be a restructure and we're not sure your job is secure? What about when the kids are misbehaving as we've all experienced that as parents? What about when your marriage is on the rocks? What about when your quarterback's first name is Drew and last name is Locke, okay? It's, it's difficult to be a Seahawks fan. I turned on the Broncos game for two minutes last night. I turned it off. I'm like, I ain't watching Russell. But, but listen, it's difficult to be still when life takes a turn, isn't it? And yet that's the context of Psalms 46. You can read it again on your own time. It talks about earthquakes. I don't think earthquakes are super calming. Right? It talks about when the mountains crumble into the sea. I don't even know what that means. But that can't be good. Right? We can all agree. It talks about when when nations crumble, when kingdoms are in chaos. It's talking about times of trouble. Why? Because I think during times of trouble, church, we need to be reminded all the more to be still and know that he is God. I think the reason it says that is because we need to be reminded in times of trouble, in turbulent times, that God is still there, that he still sees us, he still hears us, and he still cares, that we can be still knowing he's God, and though we don't like what's happening, we don't agree with what's happening, we wouldn't write the book this way, we can still be still knowing God is in control, and he's got us. Amen? We can be still knowing he's God. How many of you, how many in here, you like air travel? Any of you like to fly on a plane? All right, there's a few of you. I do not. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really like air travel. I don't really care uh, for the entire experience. I, I don't like waiting in long lines. So I don't even like the airport. <laughs> okay. I don't like getting through the line and getting into the terminal and paying $20 for a stale sandwich. (laughs) Listen, we complain about inflation, but airports, they've had inflation since like the beginning. They're like a pack of gum should be 10 bucks. You're like, what? You know, I mean, I mean, it's outrageous. I don't like it when they lose your luggage. Any of you ever experienced that? Delta, Delta stands for don't expect luggage to arrive, right? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm teasing. I love you, Delta. I don't know if any of you work for Delta, but I'm just kidding. I'm just having fun. 
right? Like Alaska, I love the airline, but I wanted my luggage to arrive where I was going, not in Alaska, right? So <laughs> I, I've had that happen. It's not fun. I don't, I don't care for air travel. It's, it's, not, it's not what I love. The thing I despise the most, though, about air travel and flying is turbulence. Anyone else? I don't like turbulence. <laughs> if you like turbulence, you know, see a specialist. There's something wrong with you. Uh, no one likes it. Nobody says in the terminal, you know, I sure hope this plane has so much turbulence until we land. That would be fun, wouldn't it? For two hours, let's hope, pray. No. Nobody, nobody says that. Uh, uh, we don't like turbulence. And uh, the worst turbulence actually I've ever experienced, it was by, I don't know, 15 years ago. I was flying to Arizona. We were descending, and we hit unexpected turbulence. And unexpected turbulence is always the worst because the pilots are ready for it. But, um, but we hit unexpected turbulence, and it was like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. I thought I had experienced turbulence until that moment. Okay? I mean, it was crazy. Uh, there was a moment that the plane, like, like, dropped, and the lights flickered. It was just a moment, but it was enough time for me to need a clean pair of shorts, okay? It, it, people are yelling. I mean, people are like, ah, you know? I mean, you start seeing the real people you're traveling with. You're like, oh, I heard what you said. <laughs> but but it, it's scary. Nobody likes turbulence. None of us like that. But what I do appreciate, what I do like is when I'm facing turbulence, I like it when the pilot gets on the intercom and reassures us, reassures us that everything's okay. And, and I don't know if it's just me, but I think every pilot sounds the same. <laughs> every single pilot. It doesn't matter. They're like, uh, hey, folks, uh, we thank you so much for flying this airline. We apologize for those bumps back there. We're going to find you some clear air. And then they just like, <sighs> it's like your intercom's on, bro. You can't inhale and exhale right now. But then they're like, um, you know, thank you for flying the friendly skies. <laughs> and you're like, they don't seem super friendly to me today. But, but I, I like it when the pilot reassures me that this is normal, that, that we're okay. And the pilots do two things. First of all, the pilots remain calm and confident, and they remind us they're in control. When turbulence strikes, the pilots remain calm and confident, and they remind us that they are in control. Can I tell you today, you might be facing trouble, but I've come to remind you, God is still in control. You might be facing trouble, you might be facing turbulence in your life, but God is still in control. And this turbulence might have taken you by surprise, but it didn't take God by surprise. He knew it would happen. He was ready for it to happen, and he's still in control. He's got you. God is the one who's piloting our life. God is the one who knows where we're going. <laughs> he's got this. God is omniscient. What does that mean? It means he's all-knowing. God is omnipotent. What does that mean? It means he's all-powerful. God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at once. 
God is piloting your life. He's leading you. He's guiding you. He's in control. And maybe you're hitting some bumps today. Maybe you're hitting some turbulence today. Maybe you're hitting some troubled times today. But if God said you'd get to the other side, baby, you're going to get to the other side. And we need to remember God is in control. He's got this. He's got this. He's got you. He sees you. He hears you. He cares for you. Secondly, what I like what the pilot does is the pilot always reminds us in so many words that the plane was built for turbulence. I, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm like, I don't know. But they, they, they give us, there's a tone, there's an undertone. They remind us that it, this is normal, that the plane was built for this. Can I just encourage you with something today? You were built for the season you're going through. You might not want to go through this season. It might not be what you would write. It might not be ideal for you. You might, you might have put pen to paper and wrote something different, but you've been built for this season. God has built you for this season. God does not expect me to endure the trouble you face, and God does not expect you to endure the trouble I face, but God has prepared each of us to endure the trouble that we face in life. That is why scripture tells us that God will never give us anything that we and he together cannot handle. And he's with us in the times of trouble and you've been built for this season. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. Tough people do. And sometimes in seasons, we have to just say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand why I'm going through it. No matter what anybody says, it isn't helping it. But I will trust you that you have built me for this season. You've built me for this moment. And by your grace, through you, I will get through. And we can be still, church. We can have a stillness in our life in times of trouble, knowing God is there, knowing he is God. I want to close. I want to quickly close by sharing you four things. Just give me like an hour. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't even want to hear myself for another hour. Um, I just want to share with you four quick things. Give me five minutes. Four quick things that we need to do if we're going to be still in God. Four things. I believe kind of the Holy Spirit dropped these things into my heart. I want to share these with you. Number one, if we are going to be still and know that he is God, number one, we need to give God control. We need to give God control. And listen, this is so easy to preach and this is so hard to live. This is so easy to say it, it's so hard to live it. It's difficult to give God control because I like to be in control. Anyone else? Any other control freaks in the house? Some of you are such a control freak, you're like, I'm not gonna raise my hand until I control when I raise. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Listen, I'm a control freak. I am, I like to be in control. Yeah, come on. I don't like lying. I, I, the reason I like to drive my car is because I don't trust all of you be on the road. I, you know, I like to be in control. I like my hands 10 and 2 behind the wheel. I don't trust you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But it, we all like to be in control. Well, what's the problem with this? There are some things in life that are outside our control. What do we do then? Psalms 46.10. Let's read it again. Uh, we've been reading this. It says, be still and know that I am God. Someone say still. still. 
This word still is actually this, this Hebrew word. I think I have it up here. It's rafa. It's a Hebrew word, and it has many definitions. One is be still. Another is relax. I like that. Relax. Breathe in. <laughs> Breathe out. And know that I am God. Another one is let go. Let go and know that I am God. We could say it like this, to let go and let God. Maybe Psalms 46.10, maybe we can summarize it. Is It's saying let go and let God. Let go and let God. And this is so easy to preach and this is so difficult to live, isn't it? It's so easy to stand up here and shout amen. And then the moment we're tested with this is like, ugh. It's tough. But when we start to realize that our problems and our troubles in our hands aren't doing much, maybe then we'll take those problems and those troubles and place them in the hands of Jesus. Because those are miraculous hands. Those are the hands that healed the sick. Those are the hands that raised the dead. Those are the hands, come on, that were pierced by nails for our sins. And listen, our troubles, our problems in our hands sometimes won't do much. But when we place them in God's hands and say, this is scary, it's not the way I would have wrote it, it's not the way I would have planned it, but I will trust you, I will give you control, there is a stillness that comes over our life. The second thing, and i got to go through these quick, the second thing, if we're going to be still in God, we need to trust God no matter what. Whew. He, I had a hard time even writing that one down. Because again, very easy to preach, so difficult to live. Because we like to trust God with strings attached. I do, right? You know, we like to make deals with God. You ever done that? It's like that Kate Bush song from the 80s that became big again from Stranger Things. Like, if I only could make a deal with God. You know, now it's like everywhere. It's like, yeah, that was in my era, okay? I knew that song before your show. But we, we all tend to do it. We all tend to pray prayers. You ever prayed this prayer? God, if you get me through this, I'll do anything. <laughs> God, if you get me through this, I'll be a missionary. I'll be a monk in some monastery that no one's ever heard of. Right. <laughs> but we often do this. God, if, if you get me that contract, if you get me that client, I'll get 15% of my income. Right? God, if you, if you get me that promotion, I'll serve in the church. I'll even serve with Pastor Gio in kids ministry. <laughs> like, whoo, that's a lofty prayer. <laughs> But we do this. We all tend to do this. We tend to try and make a deal with God. But there is a place of spiritual formation and spiritual maturity that we grow in that we begin to trust God no matter what. And I'm not there yet. And chances are you're probably not there yet. But hopefully all of us are going and growing into a place that we're trusting God with more than we did the day before. Hopefully our faith is growing, our trust for him is growing, and we're beginning to trust God. And again, easy to preach, hard to live. Hard to live. But there is a stillness that comes over our life. It's hard, it's difficult, it can be scary. But when we say, God, you have full control. The third thing, I'm going to go through these quick. If we're going to be still in God, we need to find a quiet place with God daily. 
Find a quiet place with God daily. Mark 1.35, here's what it says. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary, quiet place where he prayed. Now, if you study the life of Jesus, you will uncover that this was not an isolated event. This was a recurring pattern of Jesus' life. Jesus often would withdraw. He often would retreat. He often would leave the beaten path of life and go somewhere and pray and quiet himself. And if Jesus, as the Son of God, needed to do this, how much more do we as human beings need to do this? Right? Well, I don't have an hour a day. Take five. Take ten. Take time to quiet your heart. Quiet yourself and allow the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit to bring peace to you and stillness to you. And last one. You could come up here, worship team, Pastor Stu. Last one. We need to choose to be present in the moment. If we're going to be still in God, we need to choose, make a choice to be present in the moment. Now, maybe at first glance, it's like, how do these two things connect? How is being present in the moment, how does it have to do with being still? I'll show you. Oftentimes, the things that keeps us from being still in the moment is distractions, right? We're here, but mentally we're somewhere else. And over time, that brings chaos to our life. Sometimes we find ourselves, when we're in a moment, we're thinking about regrets of yesterday. We're in a moment and we're missing it because we're thinking about fears and anxiety over tomorrow. And because we're not present in the moment, there's this angst, there's this anxiety, because we're living in a moment that hasn't come yet, instead of celebrating, enjoying, finding peace and stillness in the moment we're in right now. And being present in the moment does bring a stillness to our life. In fact, some of the most peaceful people I know, people that I like to be around because when I'm around them, they just, they just bring a peace to me. They bring a stillness to me. A lot of them are people that are very present. They're not looking over my head. They're not looking past. They're not looking at their watch. They're not looking at their smartphones, which we touch like a billion times a day. They're present in the moment. And as we're present in the moment, it does bring a stillness to our life. If you would stand up with me, let's close in prayer today. Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And I want to take a moment and I want to specifically just pray a prayer for those of you going through especially troubled times, facing turbulent seasons, that this verse would be more than just a verse we preach on a Sunday. Maybe this verse is a verse that, whoa, my goodness, whoo. You all right, Pastor Stu? You all right? Whew. My goodness. My heart. Be still, Matt. And know that he is God. My heart rate's like 290. I thought I just got punched or something. I don't know what happened. Anyway. Yeah, whatever that is, let's not touch that anymore. It's hot. Whew. But maybe you're going through a troubled season like we just went through. And maybe Psalms 46.10 needs to be more than just a verse we preach on Sunday. Maybe it needs to be something you meditate on throughout the week. Maybe it needs to be something you write and put on your bathroom mirror. Maybe it needs to be something you write down somewhere. That in the midst of that stress, 
that angst, that anxiety, that we're still. And we know that God is there. He sees us. He hears us. And he cares for us. If you would close your eyes with me, Lord, I just thank you for every person here. If you're here today and maybe you've never made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, Maybe you need to come back to him. We're not a church. We don't, we're not going to invite you. We're not going to have you come up here. Not that. I just, it, I think there's something powerful about just acknowledging that. And if you say, I want to come back to Jesus, I want to make him Lord and Savior of my life. If you would just slip your hand up and then back down. If there's anybody say, I need him. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. See hands, hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray in a moment. Secondly, if you say today, yeah, I'm facing, I'm facing a troubled time. Stillness is not a word that's really exemplified my life the last few days, weeks, months, even years. And I need this. I need that peace. I need to be still and know he's God. Would you just raise your hand up and then back down? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, lots of hands, lots of hands. I want to pray two things. I want to pray for those of you who say I want to give my life to Jesus. And then I want to pray for those of you who say I'm going through a troubled time. I need to be still and know he's God. Lord, I just thank you that there's people that made a decision to come into your kingdom today. And just if you raise your hand to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, come back to him just in your own way. Say, Jesus, I love you. I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you're the son of God. And I give you my life. The good, the bad, the ugly, I give it to you. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. If you did pray that prayer, I encourage you to talk to someone. Sign our connect card. Let us know. We want to pray for you. Secondly, if you prayed that you just need God's stillness, I just want you to receive this today. Lord, I just pray for every person right now who's in a distressful season. Maybe there's angst and anxiety for uh, teachers today or moms or dads today sending kids to school. I pray peace and stillness for every single person. I pray, God, the peace that surpasses all understanding would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For the person who had a bad medical report, I pray they be still and know you are God. I pray for the families that are living in chaos right now, for the people whose minds are filled with chaos and, and so much stuff, they're having a hard time sleeping, that they would be still and know that you are God, that you love us, that you got us, and that you're there for us. I want to close today, just take a minute or two, and let's just let God continue to work.